0: that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DDW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lob Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. Hi, welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Tonight is March twentieth, two thousand and nineteen. I cannot believe it. I was thinking about how many years I've been doing this show. Started it in March. Oh, you know what? I think it was like March twentieth or twenty-second when I did the very first show in two thousand and eleven. Doing it for eight years. Uh, I did not imagine I would still be doing it, but it has been a lot of listeners, over 350,000 downloads. And so for me, uh, you know, I was sort of speaking to very small groups of people when I was still in AA uh, back then. And, you know, I'd go to the same 40 women and be there just talking to 40 people and realize that with a blog talk radio show that I could reach people from all over the country and, in fact, all over the world, the U.K. and Canada and Australia – or maybe some of the the biggest places that um, do listen and connect. So first I want to do a plug for the movie. Um, the 13th Step is still out there. It's back up on Amazon. That's a great thing. And so we're glad to see that. And if you did post a review, can you please go back and click on the live? Uh, it's just the live version of it. There's still the old version. It says it's not available, but then you click on the other poster, and that one is live, and there's only about nine or 10 uh, reviews. So, but it's there and then there's also this other site uh as to me, well, I have to look it up, but it's brand new. And so what we're going to do is we're going to cover something that I've covered before and I've covered it at different times. I've covered it when I first left with another guy and sometimes I've did, I've done it alone and then I covered it, you know, a couple of years in and maybe I've I've done this maybe 3 or 4 times. And I don't know if you can cover, certainly not going to do the book. Um, I'm going to do Chapter 5, and I'm going to do just a section of the preamble. Now, we're waiting for my friend Darlene to call in, and she's not calling in, Um, 818-475-9211. If if something happened, uh, she's coming to us from Ohio. And so if she doesn't call in, um, I might take some calls. Now, here's some rules. Um, if you call in, I'm going to ask you your name, and I'm going to give you just, you know, three or four minutes. We're not going to be on here for a long time, so that if that's what happens, we'll have people who can call in and give their take on what they perceive to be uh, well, the, kind of the truth of the lies about Alcoholics Anonymous. So one of the first things that I want to talk about because of something that I learned recently. It, which is about forcing health care providers, forcing them to, like, you know, whether the, the health care company is forcing or they are forcing rehab and sober living. Let, let's just say rehab. And let's talk about inpatient and outpatient. So outpatient is called sometimes IOP, intensive outpatient. And then you have, um, I guess, not intensive what does that mean? And then, you know, that's of the higher state and of care. And then you have inpatient where somebody actually goes inpatient. Now we've been starting to do some shows that exposes how unregulated the whole business is. And I want to say here that I would, you know, I don't have the numbers, but I'd say like, you know, 95% of all the people that work in that business are AA members or NA members or were and are, and maybe they don't go to a lot of meetings now because now they work in the field and they make the money from there. But, fact is is that um, there is a forcing of uh, treatment to use Alcoholics Anonymous which is it's, I find it like stunning and outrageous and I was told many times by I think it was Tom Horvath who created Practical Recovery in San Diego that you know it was really hard and that uh, you know they didn't want to cover unless you were AA but it wasn't like Not that they didn't want to, but they wouldn't cover. And I started to get like this real uh, kind of fury about it because there are a couple of things that are read at every meeting, right? One is chapter 5. They start off with the preamble. Then they read chapter 5, and they read the 12 and 12. And one of the things about the preamble, I'm just going to cover this really quick because the preamble of AA is uh, AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. Okay, just that one right there. So it's a lie. It's completely, imbe- well, first of all, the, the first one that I uncovered as I was kind of doing my investigative research was that, yes, indeed, it was embedded in, um, it was embedded in the, Judicial system so that if you got a DUI or if you were a sex offender, like way back even into the 70s, people were actually sent to AA as far back that we can find court documents to to AA sex offenders. And then the violent offenders, I really don't know when that began. Um, I just know that the reason I made the film The 13 Step was because Christine and Sandra Katz were murdered by um, Claiborne Conley, who was court ordered by the healthcare professionals, any court. in Honolulu, Hawaii. And then he murdered her and her 13-year-old daughter, two beautiful people. She was, when we dug deeper, or I did, you know, I found out that, no, they were not in a relationship. He was actually stalking her. Um, She had a job. She was eight years sober. And I just thought to myself, this is horrible. And as we began to dig, on the internet, we found another murder that had happened in, uh, up in, I think it was in Michigan. And that was an awful story. At, at least that guy, you know, admitted that he did it. He didn't pretend that he didn't do it, and he didn't kill himself. So Alcoholics Anonymous says that it's a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, their strength, and their hope with each other, that they may find they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. So um, they share other things besides their strength and hope. They share their advice on medicine, which they shouldn't be doing, and medication, and they share their bullying thoughts, and they share their intimidation and their sexual harassment and sexual exploitation, as well as being con artists and other things. Now, there's some good people in Alcoholics Anonymous. Of course, I was one of them, you know. I mean, I know a lot of people who've left who, you know, were nice people. But here, here's the little clincher here. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. Well, if you go to a meeting in Southern California and it's small enough, they will actually go around the whole room and say, and, and kind of force people in a, in a subtle or not so subtle, intimidating way, and say, "Hi, I'm Monica," and you could say think you're going to pass, but then there would be this old timer there who'd say, "Well, what's your disease?" And then the person could say, "Well, I'm not really sure. This is my first meeting." Well, what's your disease? You know, you, what, do you have a problem? So there would be start, you know, pushing, 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 which, you know, I'm I got to say, I could, I really doubt. That it happened back in the early days of 30s, 40s, and 50s, because it did not happen to me like that. They were way laid back in the 70s, and um, to, because they wanted they wanted new members, so they were nicer to them, right? And so the other part is that the only requirement is a desire to stop drinking, is that there's people forced there. So we know that you have DUIs, uh, you know people who have uh, committed crimes, the guys who the drug dealers and people who do other things, and I'm talking about large amounts. I mean, I really don't care about the guy who has a nickel bag or pot or like four hits of LSD. What I care about is the giant, giant dealer that he is going to play a game, that he's an addict and he really wants to go to treatment, and so now he's going to go to a diversion program. And yes, the diversion program is funded with federal money, And that diversion program is going to be filled with stepper shit, as I call it, or you can call it AA stuff, and they're going to get a big book, and they're going to go to big book studies, and they're going to get driven to meetings, and all this other crap, right? And then you have pilots, nurses, and doctors, and other professionals as well. I know a dentist. I know a lawyer who are forced there. So they aren't there because they want to be there. And that was one of the Uh, sort of altruistic things that I thought was, you know, wow, that was pretty cool that everybody was there who wanted to be there. And uh, we even saw things change in the late 70s when the military began to bust military guys in. Okay, moving on. Okay, there are no dues or fees for AA membership. Yeah, there are. You better put that, you know, your dollar or whatever, $2.00. In the basket, where you're going to get dirty looks. Um, you know, you could sit in the back and not. You're not going to be forced to do it. It's not like Scientology, where you're going to be made to pay like, you know, nothing, nothing, and then ten thousand for this class and two hundred fifty. But you're going to pay dearly, I think, with your time and your energy and your life. And you could lose your family over this, and it could ruin relationships. Now, there are people who say, oh, it, you know, it saved my life, and now these relationships are amended and great. Well, that's if they all are on the same page as AA. What if a person doesn't like AA? Then that's not going to be true. AA, uh, they are, um, we are self-supporting through our own contributions, so that's not true. And I was told that when I was part of being a general service rep and I went to all of the general service meetings with people from New York and with people who were um, district committee members and area chairs, that the problem that they were seeing in New York is that uh, people were not giving enough to cover it, and that more money was brought in from the sale of literature and books to to who, you know, like uh, to oh to the to Hazelton and Betty Ford or, or to all these rehabs, um, and uh, you know, whatever. This is the part here though. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. So before I did the show about Marty Mann a few shows back. What I discovered as I re-studied her book was, in fact, she did get money from the government, and she got grants from the federal government. She created the National Council on Alcoholism and Education, changed it to the National Council on Alcoholism, and now it's the NCADDD, National Council on Alcohol and Drug Dependency. I guess it's two Ds, right? Marty Mann was the first successful woman to get sober. She was a lesbian, so Bill left her alone alone and didn't try to 13-step her. She was a strong woman. She was a PR woman, and she's the reason that AA is so big. I mean, we could kind of say that, you know, Marty without Marty, AA might not be here. It would be tiny like the Moose Lodge down the street on Washington or wherever. But the other part is how many institutions is AA not only allied in, But embedded in like if you took your hands and you know when you're a kid you make your little hands like when I was raised Catholic, so you know, you make your little prayer hands and you could either put them up straight or you could let those fingers drop and those hands together are completely bonded. That is what AA is like with our health insurance, with the judicial system, meaning uh, when you get a DUI or when you want to play the game and you want a couple plea deal, and you want to go to a diversion program, and I just saw a thing about another state that's like really, I think it's Massachusetts, they're really bragging about, um, you know, that they're going to, this diversion program, you know, is really going to be big, and I don't see my... Dear friend calling in, I don't know what happened. We talked yesterday, and we confirmed it. So I hope she's okay. But um, I'll just keep plowing along here. Um, It does not wish to engage in any controversy. Um, I do think that they sued a man in Germany for printing the first copy of the big book because they had not um, renewed the copyright. And then they did drop that suit. And when you have people like 48 Hours or even, uh, you know, Jim Breslow from the Hidden Truth show, uh, if you want to hear some uh, good interviews on AA and how AA kills, they actually chose that name, AA Kills. I was interviewed there. And you have the producer of uh, Business of Recovery, great film, um, exposing rehab and recovery and all that. And there's just a whole slew of people on that show that was really good. All right, so they, uh, what Jim told me is that they, you know, reached out to New York to get somebody to interview, and they said, oh, no, we don't do that. And it's like, what, what kind of organization are you? Like, what are they worth? Hmm. $20, 30000000 Just for you to know, you can find any nonprofit. A is a 501c3, and they have three, you know, it's like three arms of Alcoholics Anonymous, and... You have the General Service Board of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's what they named one of them. So that's so funny. Where they really like to divert. I think there's some really like, cagey lawyers that helped them set it up. I mean, even Bill Wilson sold stock uh, for a company or you know that didn't exist at the time to get money from you know fellow members or from people. And Marty Man introduced Bill to you know man a heck of a lot of really high powered people, including Rockefeller and. Uh, who gave him the money for getting that book printed, which was printed in 1939. All right, let's see what else. So they don't want to engage in any controversy, and they don't endorse nor oppose any causes. And, and this is how they kind of get bigger and bigger, because members know better than to fight. There's no political discussion. Um, no Trump versus, uh, you know, Hillary. Uh, they just Nobody talks politics in those meetings. And so you have everybody sitting there together, when they when they meet each other in Washington D C, whether they are an outed stepper, somebody said, What is that? An outed stepper means that somebody has outed themselves. Like when I joined AA or whatever I did and, you know, started going, it was sort of an unwritten rule that you just you know, you don't need to tell people, you don't need to, you know, tell the world. In fact you shouldn't go public and why you shouldn't do that and there's all kinds of reasons and I don't want to waste too much time on it, but You know, uh, it's become a thing, you know, when you have people like Demi Lovato uh, telling people, well, you know, I'm going to rehab, and now I'm sober again, and then this guy's telling you're sober. I mean, they just, uh, maybe because they really, things have changed in AA. Maybe things have changed, and people don't respect anonymity, and then you have the whole group of people who don't want people to be anonymous anymore, they want everybody to be outed and like because this creates a shame and, you know, actually, honestly, if it would be better without all that stuff anymore. Like I I do agree that people should uh, – not that it really matters, you know, right, what I think about that. But I do think it would be better if it wasn't this like little secret society in one way and then it's this huge fucking organization in another way, right? And it's huge because – It's like kind of embedded in the psychiatry, you know, and and in the uh, National Board of Nurses and the FAA, and they have their birds of a feather and they have their stupid hymns program, and then you have um, the the PHP programs for doctors get forced to go there. And let me tell you something. If I, you know, get to to do another film, which I'm working on, as sort of the pre-production of this. Uh, the whole thing with the pilots, nurses, and doctors. You are not just forced to go there. Let me tell you this. You are made to believe and talk it, talk the talk, and you got to play the game. Now, that might not be true with dentists. I don't think it is. Uh, it's not so embedded there. Uh, and with lawyers, I think that the lawyers you know either fight back. I know one who did, and I believe he won. Um, we know the Barry Hazel case, which I interviewed him here. And he definitely uh, he won 1.9 million dollars for being sent. Let's see if she's here. She's still not here. Where are you, Darlene? Well, anyway, moving along. Okay. So the final part uh, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. You know, I even have a little problem with that, and I'll tell you why. Our primary purpose is to stay sober. Well, some that go there, that's not true. They go there to pick up women or to pick up men and, uh, and help others. So if they were really, really interested in helping others to achieve sobriety, then Alcoholics Anonymous would get on board with the use of naltrexone. For someone who is in and out, in and out, actually somebody who really doesn't want to quit, they would start telling them about harm reduction, about uh, medications, Uh, The short term is MAT, so Medically Assisted Treatment. Uh, They would tell people if somebody kept coming and they were complaining about all the religiosity, they might tell them about Smart Recovery, which has now grown from 800 to 3,000 meetings around the world. So it is really growing, right? It's really growing. Now, I am Monica Richardson. I'm the filmmaker of The 13 Step. You can find it on Vimeo. The Vimeo is the longer version, the version that has my story in it. And some other things in it, um, let me see. I'm going to start with chapter five. So here we go. If you could see this book of mine, oh my God all right so i have the I have the book that I think it was the last printing was in the nineteen fifties, and I want to just say that in the very beginning, they called themselves recovered. they were recovered, and they were not recovering. Uh, the, the, it shows precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of the book, and uh, I think that they really lost their way with the whole "I'm in recovery," you know. And like, "What? What are you recovering from, dude? Like maybe some therapy would good be good. Maybe some, you know, uh, mindfulness. Maybe go take some yoga. Maybe do some exercise. Maybe take a nutrition class or something." Oh, here we go. So Chapter 5, for those of you who don't know, is read at every meeting, except for, I'm told, um, the atheist meetings, which exist. I know they're growing immensely, and they do sound quite a bit saner when they're not taken over by somebody else. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. So that's not true. So there's lots of people. I saw them in the 36 years that I was sober or abstinent in Alcoholics Anonymous, that tried and tried and w- tried really hard and would drink again, and that in AA, it's so so funny, is like considered to be a failure that if you drink again, right? So, who has thoroughly fired our path? So there's people who've done it. Um, I certainly was one of those people who made that kind of judgment when I was like, you know, Miss AA, and when did I like go out of the path of Miss AA to somebody who was sober? Um, I'd say it was sometime maybe when I had. Mm, Maybe six, seven, eight years. And when I had that, I was sort of, you know, not sort of, but I uh, began to realize that Alcoholics Anonymous was not going to fix me, and that I had other problems, and that I had uh, drank probably medicinally as a teenager. I had childhood trauma. Um, I had a sexual assault the summer that I was 15, and. I never addressed that, and all the years in AA, nobody told me to go until maybe I had moved to California and was probably in my 10th year of sobriety, and by then, I, I mean, I knew I needed help. But let's go on here. Those who do not recover, listen to this, those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. All right, well, that's not true either. So there are a lot of people who recover, who do not want to, and will not give themselves to, um, they could really say this religious program, to this simple program. Oh, now they're usually men and women. This is the part where I just, like when I first read this, when I was deprogramming, and I would say I, I was deprogramming, I was deprogrammed to even see it. Usually men and women who are constitutionally, incapable of being honest with themselves. So who is that? sociopath, you know, uh, that's someone who is, mm, they're not at fault, it says. They are such unfortunates, right? Um, Now they're saying you're not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. You're born that way? You're not born that way. Nobody's born that way. So we'll go back into, again, you see men and women, so they're telling you now, this is like you're sitting at your first meeting or second or your tenth meeting, and you're hearing that you are constitutionally incapable of being honest with yourself. You don't have what it takes. You're a, you're an, that's a, so unfortunate for you. Okay. But now it's not your fault. You're born that way. And um, you are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. You know, he's such a fucker, you know? Bill Wilson was such a motherfucker. Um I it's so funny because when I was in AA I idolized him as an 18 year old I identified with the whole white light shit story and you know this guy was taken like belladonna mixed with like some serious oh my god I I mean it's out there like the truth of what he was on and it was very very strong they were like knocked out for 3 days but he's really really um an asshole they're naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Well maybe that was him. So we're still in the first paragraph and they are blasting you with some of the most awful awful language. Negative, you know, you're you were born this way, you're incapable of being honest with yourself. Now your chances are less than average. Like how hopeful is that? But there are those two who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders. But many of them do recover if they have the capacity to to be honest. Well, okay, that's not true either. So if you have grave emotional and mental disorders, if you suffer from clinical depression, in honesty is not going to fix it. It's called medication. And the thing that really pisses me off about AA today Is that, you know, and they came out with another pamphlet recently, and they were like, oh, we're not telling people what to do. And in like the first page or two, it starts to tell you, as an AA member, what you should do when you go to your doctor. You should tell them you're an AA, you're an alcoholic. I haven't had a drink in 30 years. Really? How does that make you an alcoholic? about this this is a special kind of alcoholic it's an aa alcoholic right our stories this is now here we go into the second little paragraph our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like what happened and what we're like now so that's really the way that people were taught to lead a meeting or to do your share or tell your story if you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. Now, this is a thing where people who were starting to really slice, excuse me, and dice like how you work the program which as young as I was like, I could see, I was like wait, like, it's like Chinese, like, w- what do you mean? Like, I, th- I think that like six and seven should have been one step and like, uh, eight and nine, like, it's trying to make 12 steps, like the 12 apostles or something, like he wanted it to be, like he took the six steps from the Oxford groups, and then he, you know, spread them out. So to call AA a program, I really have a problem with it now. If you want a program, Smart Recovery is a program, you know? If you want a program, uh, you could go to... um, you know, EVO, Health and Wellness, that's a program in Venice. You could go to non-12-step program. It's out in Calabasas. You could go to CMC, has a an outpatient program in New York City, the Center for Motivation and Change. You could go to their inpatient program in um, the Berkshires. It's a beautiful, big, like, mansion. I don't, I don't know why Wendy Williams didn't go there instead of some shitty sober living, which is not treatment, okay? Like, first of all, and I'm going to go on just a tiny tangent here, So sober living, unregulated, like unregulated as all get up, right? And um, rehab, so it's like babysitting, you know? It's not even treatment. And AA is not treatment. AA is a support group, if it's that, when you go there, right? So there's all these places that one could actually go and actually really see a program. Tom Horvath in Practical Recovery down in San Diego that's a program. There's a place, a behavioral health place in, uh, in Texas that somebody told me about. And it is, uh, let me see if I could find it really quick for you because it looked really, really, it looked really good. It's a really good place. All Uh Let's see if I can find it. Mm-mm. No. I guess I was, oh, I'm looking at the wrong I'm looking at the wrong person. Never mind, I'm just gonna keep going. All right, Uh, all right, so now, um, if you, they they kind of would say that if you want, like okay, they talk about the stories. If you have decided that you want what we have, um, then you are willing to go to any lengths to get it. And now then, you are ready to take certain steps. Now, for me, there are many people like myself who decide before they ever go into, uh, you know, before they ever go into an AA room that they've had enough. The wife says, "Okay, I'm leaving you if you don't do it," or the husband says, "You know, I'm leaving you if you don't do something about it. Go to AA." They don't know that that smart recovery exists, or moderation management, as small as it is, exists, or that Women for Sobriety exists, or SOS exists, or you could go to Ham's Harm Reduction and read Ken Anderson's book, and you could go that route. You could go to Claudia Christian's um, website, the C3 Foundation, and you could take on and do the Sinclair Method, and she will help you there. Um, there's all kinds of things popping up. Uh, I, I interviewed um, Teresa Rodden, who is a sober coach. There's all these other things. All right. At some of these we balked, okay? They tell you we balked. Now you're balking. You don't even know what you're balking at. Um, We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. Um, Yeah, whatever. With all the earnestness in our command, we beg of you. I was just begging you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Now you're full of fear. And you don't know what the fuck they're talking about, right? So some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go. Absolutely Now This is some of the shit that's really used in meetings by people on other people who are new or who are not getting it the way AA people think they should get it. So if somebody has a lapse and they drink or something, and it's like, well, you know, you really got to do it this way, and you're holding on to some old ideas, and somebody might say, yeah, well, I don't, Really believe in god and um and then you have to let go absolutely well, maybe somebody's already kind of hit a place where and you notice I didn't say bottom right they hit a place where they just had enough and they just you know they're really sick and tired, and they just want to they want to move forward and when somebody does that, sometimes they can be very elated as they quit on their own and they come and then you have these assholes telling them that. You know, oh, you're on a pink cloud, and don't worry, the pink cloud is going to burst. And, you know, of course, it's going to, hanging around those people. Mm. All right. Now they're telling you that alcohol, so now we switch from you being all fucked up, right? Now he's going to do the bait and switch here. So now you uh, are, you know, you are uh, at fault. You could have been born that way. You're naturally capable of being honest with yourself. But remember, okay, here's a note. That we deal with alcohol. Oh, alcohol is cunning, you know, it's it's fucking baffling, and it's powerful. Oh, really, it's really powerful. Without help, it's too much for us. Okay, so without help, so you've got to get help. Okay, a lot of people get help. Some people actually don't get help and stop. But you get help, all right? It's too much for us, but there is one in the big one who has all power, that one is God, may you find him now. All right, well, I was raised a Catholic. I had a faith. I prayed. I said I never want to drink again. I got up the next morning. I never drank again for 37 years. But AA had nothing to do with that. Like, that all happened for me, like, before I went there. So then it says, may you find him now. I'm so fucking idiots. Like, why why does it have to be now? Like, you know, what if somebody doesn't find him now? But if he finds him later, you know? Half measures... Availed us nothing. So this is also horseshit. So half measures availed us nothing. Any attempt to reduce and change your drinking is reducing and changing your drinking, which is a positive thing, right? It's a positive thing. So the part of that, I hate that part, half measures availed us nothing. Uh, we stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with his complete abandon. You know, this has got to be really offensive to people who are atheists or partially atheists and, you know, people who, you know, his, this it's all, everything is him and his. And, you know, even the Catholic Church updated their books. Like, you know, when, um, when I was a kid, like, or their ways, I had to wear, like, a little thing on my head. I wore, like, gloves. I, 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 I said the prayers in Latin. Well, eventually they changed that, and you had the, Um, what was it called, the thing that happened in 1964 with the Catholic Church. But anyway, it was coming to me because I was reading about it recently and thought it was so interesting, the changes that the Church made, because they were uh, not relevant and they had to make themselves relevant, right? Well, AA thinks they don't have to make themselves relevant. But what AA has done is created all this rehab and the sober living, oh my god! Well, we're going to be taking on that sober living. I'm going to have a lot of a lot of people on in the future talking about the unregulated sober living rehab industry. And here's my new one-liner about that: I need a license for my dog, but I don't need one for a sober living in California. That's the way it is, guys. That's how fucked up. how fucked up is that? Is that the way it is in every state? I don't know. I'm going to find out, though. I I think it is. All right, so here it goes. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. Now, these are people who can go and they never, you know, they just never, um, what do you call it? They never, uh, sorry, Uh, I thought that was Darlene texting me. Um, Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. Alright, well are they suggested or not? What do you think? I don't think there are. They are. Because when you try to tell them, all right, I and this was say for my situation, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. I said, I'm not powerless over alcohol. Um, I stopped on my own, I was able to stop at different times, um my life certainly became unmanageable. I don't have a problem with that. And they were like, oh, no, no, no. no." they didn't do this in the beginning because they want to reel you in. They want to, like, fucking sucker you in. But um, And I really wanted fellowship. You know, I thought I, I was, you know, going to join a fellowship of something, uh, a group of people that didn't drink. Um, I didn't want to smoke pot anymore. I didn't smoke pot. I had quit prior to that, even six months earlier. But that... I couldn't do the first half of the first step. So seven months down the line, people started saying, well, you know, you really need to be able to take that first step, the first half of the first step, or you're not, you know, you can't, you know, you really can't get it all. This started to feel like Scientology when Leah Remedy starts to talk about, you know, that looming thing at the top, the bridge, you know, where her mother got you. And then when her mother got there, she was like, well, like this bullshit, like there's nothing here. And I kind of felt that way, too, about AA, that, you know, uh, that if I did all these steps and that if I was of service, and took meetings into prison and I did all this stuff and I, you know, gave back and became a secretary and that you would, um, something would happen. Now, yeah, you you know, you don't focus on yourself. Like there's all positive things that happen from a person who is giving back. Now, it's also very bad to do too much of that. It's very, very unhealthy. And I saw many old-timers, not all of them, who did that, and they lived for that. Um, and it's just unhealthy because those people don't do any self-care. They just, they're just, they just giving, 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 and eventually they have nothing to give, and they don't give to their children. They are giving to other people's children, and they are giving to strangers and alcoholics that are in meetings and bringing them home. I mean, I watched my sponsor and her husband do that. Mm. And they were great people, but, um, you know certainly Mary didn't take care of herself as she should and her daughters I think didn't get the attention that they needed once they got sober. But, you know, you could argue about that all you want. But we're gonna move on. So the second step is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Okay, I gotta tell you something, when you're fucking crazy, God is not gonna make you not crazy. And you know, if people are really crazy Like, there's a thing called a mental ward, and there's things, all kinds of things, medications that help people who have mental illness, which I didn't have. But I certainly had a lot of trauma, and I had a lot of anxiety, and I didn't know it. But I had a lot of anxiety. Um, But I believed in God, and I liked the spirituality part of AA way back when. But I felt like that happened immediately. So I felt like this step was just happened. Like it was like, boom. Okay, I did it. Done. Now, I want to say something. Back then in the 70s, no one wrote every step. Like that shit got started by rehab. Uh, And maybe somebody else, I don't know. But it, it was told to me that they started to it was called the 12-step facilitation, to take the 12 steps and make them into a program. Like, that. everybody would write, like, why we were powerless. I mean, I don't know, because I never did it, because nobody did that crap when I first joined AA. I worked the steps like the people did back in the day. And they said, you know, this is something you go through, and the first thing you do, the first thing, you know, you would, uh, well, we'll move on to the next one. Make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Um, And and, and everybody kept emphasizing it's about making a decision, making a decision. I was like, yeah, okay, I made a decision, okay? Like, what's the point? Like, okay, to turn our will. Okay, yeah, okay, I turned my will, whatever. My will, I mean, I'm a Catholic. You don't turn your will over to God when you're a Catholic, you know? You have free will. Like, what the fuck? There's, like, way more Catholics than you do. Like, there's, like, a billion Catholics And you motherfuckers think that you're, like, no more than, like, the Muslims and Catholics and the Jews? Like, you know, really? I mean, even as I'm I'm saying this to you for the first time, I don't think I've ever seen it like this or said it like this. How arrogant that is to say that, you know, know, to do this right, you have to turn your will and your lives over to the care of God as we. Who's we anyway? Like wh- why is it that how we what, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to understand God like with you and you and you and Johnny over there and 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 Bobby and Sammy and Sally and everybody else like it's my God, you know like you and plus you can't make up who God is but that started happening and because there was a whole New Age movement and you had like looking you know uh, all the people who were taking LSD and the guys who will be here now and I, I do think that Bill Wilson was friends with these people that. You know, they started getting into this place where they felt like they could, who you, who you turn it over to, you could kind of make it up, and you had people say, well, it can be a doorknob or like maybe the light bulb, and people were like rolling their eyes, and then you'd say, well, it could be the group. No, the motherfucker, I'm not the group. It would, like tried to fuck me over, so why would I want to turn anything over? So I didn't trust the people really very quickly, and I thought, well, I'm going to trust this book, you know. My book is so like beat up. Um, I don't know when I'm going to burn it, but um, right now it's still useful to me to do this kind of stuff. All right, so you do the whole thing with the decision. We understand me, and I want to. So I'm going to at this point now. I want to talk about the we and us thing. I. Uh, In a really great episode, and I've said this numerous times already, but I'm going to say it again for those who maybe are listening to their first podcast with me, is that the way that the brainwashing happens so quickly is all these we's and us's. So that's part of a brainwashing thing. I I don't know that Bill Wilson said um, this is important, so let's say we make people inclusive and bring everybody in, but that is part of brainwashing that you tell people that it's it's we and it's us, it's not about me, it's not I and if somebody goes to a meeting every day for ninety days, you're fucking brainwashed. Unless you are I don't know, your critical you know, your critical thinking is still in place for whatever reason and you're able to do that, wow, more power to you. I'm like wow. I, I just I, I really like when I hear people come into the Facebook groups and they're like you know, uh, I saw it straight up, and I was like, really? I mean, that's pretty cool. I, I like that. I really like that people didn't all have to, you know, go in there and spend those kind of years. The next one, it made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. All right, this is a really, really bad idea to tell to do to an 18-year-old a teenager. Somebody in their 20s. No, I don't think it's a good idea. I think that somebody should write down their um, – I, I later – so let's skip over. Like, if you go to page 64 and 5, where and I was like, wait, wait, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, look. See, here's the page. Mr. Brown, I'm resentful, add in the cause. His attention to my wife. And I'm like, I'm 18. Like, I've never been married. How It affects my sex relations. I didn't know what they were talking about. I did not know. It looked really weird. And I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's like, well, just go back to your first resentment and there you'll be, you know, your first rejection, and there will be your first resentment, and you can begin with that. And I was like, what do you want me to go back to? when I'm like, five? All right? It's bad. So then the next one, I did it. I wrote like 30 pages. And then you have, um, and I have like 30 days or something. I don't know when I wrote it. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Well, first of all, there's nowhere where it talks about, what it, we were all like, what does that mean? the exact nature. And you know as AA evolved and people tried to make it more than it was, they came up with it like you know the, the 12 and 12 was written and they tried to just because of the TSM because of the the 12-step I mean TSM, sorry the 12-step facilitation that was created in Rehab, Hazelton was like the first huge AA um, rehab there's a place in Connecticut that was one of the oldest that Bill Wilson was involved in. So if they want to pretend and tell you that Bill Wilson was separate, and they were, you know, they were all a part of the first rehabs and Marty Mann has a, the Marty Mann house, which I heard is like not a good place. Uh, I know um, a, a man who told me a story who a young woman stayed there and, you know, she was forced to uh, clean the steps with the toothbrush, and she, because she missed going to a meeting, and that's how she was punished. I mean, it's like what, like what year was this happening in? I don't know. I wanted up breeding mine to a woman who was like a guru to these other people in Hawaii, and it was a pretty awful experience. I did not connect with her. I didn't like her. I didn't feel like she liked me um it was very empty i could have gone to um a priest and done confession and probably had a better experience so i think it's dangerous and going back to what i think and later when i did work with women i would have people write their positive traits and write all of the jobs that they did and you know what are the good things about them and then if there were sides of them that they wanted to work on that was it um six so 6 and 7 to me were just kind of bullshit it seemed like they were um, connected, but they separated it out so he could have 12 steps. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Well, I guess you better know what they are, right? We were entirely ready. And they were like, well, don't worry because, you know, we're going to pray to God for these to be removed. Okay? And then, once you're ready, then, seven, you're going to humbly, we got to humbly ask him. You can't just ask him. You can't, like, demand. you got to ask him humbly and ask him to remove your shortcomings. Okay? And I was like, let me tell you something. I tried this stuff. This stuff did not work. Uh, the things that did work, there were so many other things. Maybe I'll do another show on what worked for me. It wasn't this. I learned eventually to do affirmations. I read books like um, The Greatest Secret in the World by Aguadino. Uh I meditated. I learned affirmations. I think I said that. I developed ones for myself. And then um, I had to learn about self-care and self-love and forgive myself for anything that I felt like I had done. So, This was, like, ridiculous. Then now the other one, so we did six and seven, eight and nine, made a list of all persons we had harmed and made willing and became willing to make amends to them all. Okay, this was a big one um, because you can really hurt people, like if you go back and you're not really, you really shouldn't be going back and telling people certain things and then made direct amends to such people wherever possible except to, when to do so would injure them or others. And so you have a lot of people in AA of like, well, what, you know, oh, maybe I shouldn't because I stole their money from them, and all those questions, um, legal questions that came into that, and you have some, you know, nincompoop uh, in AA who is like giving advice, these unprofessionals, you know, uh, never mind. So anyway, for me, it, it's, um, it's really a problematic uh, part for me about making I, – I think that people – should learn how to apologize and say they're sorry and say they're wrong. I think that that's a big part of any good religion about if somebody, you know, you step on your toes, you tell somebody, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. And I, But there, there's a lot of people in our groups and Facebook, and I'll tell you at the end of the show the name of the groups, but there's a lot of people that talk about uh, how this harmed them and um, people were told to, you know, that they're molesters and they're rapists were. They should apologize to people who had harmed them sexually. This is a pretty really sick stuff that has been reported to me in my investigation. And uh, so, I mean, that the part the people who I became close to that were good never did that to me. Um, the people, the young people that I met when I first went in, a absolutely they were all victim blaming. Like, oh well, you know, it's your what is your part in it? They always have to go, what is your part in it? And when I watched Leah Remini's show this past season, she really, you know, got to, talked about how that is very a part of Scientology, that even if you get cancer, it's your fault. And if you do this and you bring this on, it's your fault. You get hit in a car accident. You know, you brought this on. And it is it is kind of true for a lot of uh, cults. That's a very cultish thing. All right now we're on 10. Continue to take personal inventory. And when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. This thing is a motherfucker. Like, this is, like, number 10 is, like, you're always, like, I think there's not two kinds of people in AA, but, like, just say if there were, because that's what it says in the book. Like, there's there's, there's a guy who's got the big ego, and he needs to be, like, brought down to size. And then there's the person who feels like shit, and they actually need some boosting. They don't need to be doing that to themselves. And what AA does is, and it really did it for me, was – you know, you're always like looking at yourself going, Okay, what's my part in it? What's my part in it? And oh, okay, read this part right here, you know. Um, on this page right here. We're gonna read this every night, like, um, um, on you know, as we go to sleep, we ask God, you know, um, how we could have done things better and what we should have done and blah blah blah. Where is that? I think it's in the next chapter. But um where we had been um, uh, selfish and dishonest and considerate. Whom had we hurt? You know the, all these things, which you know go on to be the pages of sixty-eight and sixty-nine. Um, they want you to review your fears thoroughly. We, you know, we put them on paper, and uh, even though we had no resentment to connection with them, and we asked ourselves why we had them. Uh, wasn't it because self-reliance had failed us? Uh, you know, the, he really knew nothing. About psychology. He really was a weird dude, I gotta tell you. Let me see. Uh, uh, It is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. Uh, I don't think so. To the precise extent that we permit this, do we squander the hours? You know, whatever. the alcoholic whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it is fatal. For when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns, and we drink again. And with us to drink is to die. Oh, my God, you're going to have a drink, and you're going to die. And if we were to live, we had to be free of anger. So this chapter, you know, it's funny when he asked me, um what's his name um uh, uh, Jim Breslow about where does this stuff say it? you know it's like in the moment it says it in the book right here it says you 're going to die you know if, to drink is to die if you if you do any of this, this is what 's going to happen and um you know we can 't be a grouch, which a lot of people are grouchy in AA that's for sure it's the biggest grouchy group of people i've ever met, and the brainstorm mhm, so you can 't be smart. They can't be for us. They were for the dubious luxury of normal men, and we're not normal men and women. You know, we're like freaks. We're different. Um, You know, there's the line somewhere in here, and we like men who have lost their legs. They never grow new ones, uh, which is so, so fucked up, all right? Uh, Another part here, it says on page 62, it says, selfishness and self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Now, yeah, when people are drunk and drinking all the time, they have a tendency to be very selfish and self-centered. Absolutely. But that is not what drives people to drink. Absolutely. It's proven trauma a uh, big reason, you're going to have mental health issues, depression, people self-medicating with it, so, you know, people could maybe take medication and still live, you know, medicating themselves with alcohol. Alright, so we're going to move on to the next one. 11, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him. You know, why is it we again? You know, maybe it could have said you. As you understand your God, you know, Him. Praying only to the knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Now I got to say something. One of the one of like my opening up my head and my mind as I was leaving, and this is like a couple of years before I left. I was invited to go to a meditation class, and it was called Quantum Meditation. Now by George Quant. I did a show with him years ago. And what he said is that, you know, no matter what, nobody's ever broken, um, even if you've had, like, you know, alcohol abuse or drug abuse and you've been had child abuse, like, you are not broken inside. Like, that's not a truth, right? Okay, so I was like, wow, oh my God, that's, like, really cool. I, I, I think I really resonate with that, you know what I mean? And um, so I knew how to pray. I knew how to meditate because I was raised a Catholic. Meditation was something I had been working on as sort of like this, mm- um, a teenager, and then interested in meditation. As we understood him, but the part here that's really, really problematic, it says, praying only for knowledge of his will for us. God, We are not puppets. God is not pulling the strings. That's a cult. That is an absolute cult type of thinking, to say that um, I mean I don't know what other religions believe. I don't know what Muslims believe actually. I don't know what um Jews believe about this. I do know what Catholics believe and I was given free will and I make a choice. And that's the way uh, God wants it. Like I am not uh, I am not a puppet and he is not teach Oh my god, if I could tell you how many times I have friends with 30 40 years that God was teaching them. Of, no, God is not teaching you a fucking lesson. Like, that is, I mean, to me, that is just nuts. But except if you're a cult. If you're in a cult, then, you know, Mr. The Leader or Mrs. Leader of the cult is, wants you to believe that they are all powerful. You know, that they know for you what they can do while you give them your money. And, um, you know, have to sleep with them or whatever the hell these. Like those, oh, my God, some of those cults. Um, they've had some incredible movies come out the last few years about that. The Children of God. Oh, Lord. What about that guy uh, um, in Hawaii? That was, that was a crazy cult, too, with that one guy. Um, so back to this. Um, as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us. Wow. And you're going to get the power from him. i got to tell you, as the years went on, I felt like, you know, God just got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. So I have about four minutes left. I'm going to finish this up. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics. Now you have to proselytize. You've got to get out there, man. you got to, like, spread the word or you can't, you know, stay sober. You've got to practice all of these principles in all our affairs. What are they, dude? Like, what are the principles? Where have you laid them out? Honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness, those are your principles of your program? Well, let me tell you something. Those principles are not being practiced in your meetings, in the culture of Alcoholics Anonymous, in recovery, in, in New York, in, uh, in your rehabs where you all work, in your sober living where you all own, right? Uh, it's not practiced there, if that's what it is. And you can have an awakening of changing something as extreme as if somebody's heavy drinking or using and then you quit, of course, you you hopefully you're going to feel great. I mean, I did. But they were not as a result of the steps. I already felt great when I quit. And actually working on the steps made me feel worse because it's a stupid program. And the sad thing is that our culture and so many people think that this is it and you have all these movies and your producers and actors like Bradley Cooper and... I mean, so and you know, and then he's got a remake of *The Star Is Born*, and then the, somebody's gonna die in the end of it. Like there were three other versions of that movie, and nobody kills themselves in the end. Why does he? That, that's what he has to make, Mr. Stepper. You know, Bradley Cooper. Um, I don't know, just pisses me off. There's too many of them in it. It's like you know, this special secret society. Um, it, it happens in the law. It happens with lawyers and judges who are members of Alcoholics Anonymous. They have their little. Like, hush, hush, whatever, you know, we're special. I can't imagine what it's like in D.C. for people who are steppers. Yeah. Um, Many of us exclaimed, what an order. I can't go through with it. Uh, Do not be discouraged now. Okay, no one. Now here they totally let you off the hook. No one. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles We are not saints. So that's the line that all the fucking predators say. We're not saints, man. It says like right on page 60, you know. Yeah, like, you know, uh, no one has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to the principles. We're not saints. The point is that we're willing to grow along spiritual lines, okay? So it's always like, oh, you just got to be willing. Just be willing, you know. The principles, yeah, show them to us. We have set down our just guides. They're just guides. So they're just guides now. It's not a program. It's a support group. Um, we claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. How come a bunch of you are all perfectionists? That's a really interesting piece of work that you could see with the group if you look at them. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear through pertinent ideas. That we were alcoholic and couldn't manage our own lives. That probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. That probably... What, the hell? what What does that mean? Like, that's so vague. He, what does he know? Like, so little. He took four years from the beginning to when it's published. There's only 100 people. There's no, there's no scientific study going on. He doesn't talk about the real Belladonna experiment that happened to him of what they did at, at um, in town's hospital by a doctor, right? And, you know, it's at a point where a show is, you know, uh, it's just about over, and um, we have like 28 seconds, um, that God couldn't win if he were sought. Well, you know what? What happens to the people who don't believe in God? And there's a lot of people who don't. So um, I think the time is yeah. up. And I look forward to doing another show with you. And um, maybe my friend will call in. Uh, maybe we'll, you know, plan it and it will work out right. But either way, uh, I think that there's a lot in this book that are wise and that are very, very strange, strange thinking that's very harmful to people. And um, so we'll see you again. I'll be back. I'm not sure next week, but I'm going to have a lot of new people, people that are working on the sober living crisis, I would say, the unregulated sober living crisis. A lot of children and their millennials are dying and lousy rehab, and unregulated people who have no training are running those places, as well as uh, just tearing up this literature again. So I want to thank you again very much. This is Monica Richardson, and this is Blog Talk Radio on Safe Recovery. Uh, we'll see you all again in uh, see on Facebook. There's groups leaving AA, do programming from AA, make A Saver, and uh we'll just see you again. Thank you all and good night. With the Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.